maybe possible. Hmm. Hey everyone, uh, welcome to Bragging on Jesus. Uh, what month is this, by the way? June. June, yeah. Oh, I was born in June, so I should remember that. Well, today's going to be really fun, everybody. We're doing something we call tag team preaching. And um, we have... Yeah, yeah, we're going to do that, yeah. We have, I think we have one, two, three, four, four speakers today. And... Um, we're going to be going through John chapter 9. It's a story about a man that was born blind that, that Jesus healed. Okay, This is really interesting to me because the book of John only has like um, 21 chapters in it. And yet John dedicates a whole chapter out of the life of out of one day in the life of Jesus to this one incident and the reason that's interesting to me is because of what John says in the last chapter John chapter 21 verse 25 he says now there are also many other things that Jesus did uh, were every one of them to be written i suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written and yet John dedicated a whole chapter to this story. So I think there's something really important for us that God wants us to see out of John chapter 9. And um, in just a minute, Gary's going to get us started. But first off, uh, Abel Castor is going to come and open us up in a word of prayer. Abel, if you would. Dear God, um, thank you for today. Um, I pray that we'll um, have a good day. Thank you for having us to be able to be here to worship you. Um, I pray that we'll learn much about you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Abel. Thank you, Abel. Okay, Gary. Adjust that however you need it. We'll have to readjust it. Robin, you want your glasses? Yeah, probably. <laughs> awesome, awesome, awesome. Man, I'm super excited. Uh, it's really cool to see Abel. Abel, you did a great job, man. Um, man, that's really cool to see the next generation. Um, you know, at the, at the church, I teach the kids and uh, teach and youth, and just to see that that next generation present, and willing to to step out in faith, even if it's prayer, is an amazing thing. Um, man, I've been excited about this. Um, you know, for anybody out there watching that's a Christian, I would encourage you get a group of, of friends to do this stuff with. Um, there's just something about kind of putting some pressure on each other uh, to do this, to go and share the word, and to put you out of your comfort zone uh, a little bit. Um, I know for me it was a little weird, like, doing a passage, kind of having to think about what I'm saying, um, because other people are going to play off of it. But it was really cool getting to experience that in uh you know, even getting together with the guys, um, you know, virtually to talk about to about, talk about what we were doing. Um, so I think it's I think it's good. It's a good building block. Um, it's a a great a great thing to to push you forward. Uh, the way I'm going to approach this tonight is I'm doing uh, verses one through seven, and what I've done is just kind of highlighted a couple of things uh, out of the verses. Uh, so I'm going to get started because I'm going to actually read through each verse and break it down and I want to make sure and not run out of time. I don't want like anybody tackling me off the stage or anything, so hopefully hopefully get <laughs> um so like Robin said, we're gonna be in nine uh John chapter nine, uh which is man, this story every time I read it is just amazing. Uh God points out more things, the Holy Spirit points out more things each and every time I read it. Uh so I'm gonna start in verse one and uh just kind of kind of walk through each of each of these verses one through seven uh so verse chapter nine starting in verse one says as he passed by he saw a man blind from birth and his disciples asked him rabbi who sinned uh this man or his parents that he was born blind um man that those two verses like hit me uh Obviously, you know, we're talking about Jesus, like he's walking into town and they see this this blind man 
um, you know, sitting off the side. The guy's been blind since birth. Um, so obviously, you know, this has been something that, that he's dealt with his entire life. Um, but the, the disciples' question is what hit me uh, in these first two deals. The disciples see a man that's blind, and they automatically jump to, hey, Jesus, what did this guy do wrong? Um, you know, he's blind, but, but what did he do wrong? Who did something wrong to cause this? Uh, and, and as I thought about this, it, it hit me more and more as I look around um, at our culture and, and especially this last, you know, year and a half or so, um, and I got to thinking about just times where either I, I personally, uh, have done this or you see people all the time. Uh, you know, it's really present in, in little kids. Uh, you know, you'll see a, you know, somebody that's hurt or something and, and a little kid will ask, well, well, what caused that? I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a genuine question. Um, but I think sometimes we lose sight of, of what's going on. Um, I know for me, in my, in my personal life, uh, I used to think that, that man, whenever I did something wrong, whenever I sinned, uh, you know, if I had a bad day the next day, that's what caused it. It's like, well, if you wouldn't, if you wouldn't have, if you wouldn't have done that, if you wouldn't have looked at that picture or watched that video or, or said that, that mean thing to somebody, like, you'd have had a better day. Like that's the way that God does things, um, and man, that's what that first point, that first part, like just the disciples' reaction kind of shows me is like, um, and obviously like I haven't had a discussion with the disciples, but like it makes me think that that was their mindset. Um, and a lot of like if you look at the law and stuff, a lot of the law kind of makes it feel like that, and especially the Pharisees and stuff, they make it feel like if you do something wrong or against God's law, you're automatically punished for it. Um, so like I said, you know, the, the disciples see this guy, they see him blind and they automatically jump and ask Jesus, um, what he's done, what, why did he deserve this? How did, how did this happen? Um, so that, I mean, that's, that just hit me really hard and it made me think about my, myself and the way I, I judge situations like, Hey, just because something bad has happened doesn't mean that God has caused it. Um, and that's something that, that, man, just was an overflowing theme in this verse, uh, one, the, this uh, section that I did, 1 through 7, uh, to me personally, was just like, man, just because it's a bad, a bad situation or something happens doesn't mean that God personally caused it. Um, I think that I've heard it referenced several times, like God's not up there with a magnifying glass burning ants. Like he's not that mean kid. And I think that's a lot of times we see that. Like we see God as that. Um, so let's uh, let's jump to, well, not jump to. It's the next verse in line. Uh, let's go to verse three, which is Jesus's uh, starts. Jesus's answers to the disciples. It says Jesus answered, "It was not this man. Uh, it was not that this man sinned, or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him." Um, so, like clearly, Jesus says, "Hey, it it wasn't sin that caused this." It, it wasn't a result of, of sin that, that caused this man to go blind. But what it does show is that Jesus goes, but watch, God can work through bad situations. Um, God can work through, through what's going on to reveal not only to this man in, the, in a huge way, but reveal to others, as we'll see later on in the story, um, where we see and where the disciples saw unfortunate circumstances Jesus saw an opportunity Jesus didn't see the same thing that, that we saw which obviously shows us that when we look through our own eyes when we look through our own minds we have a clouded vision but when we look through the eyes of Jesus when we look through the heart and the mind of Jesus we get to see these things clearly just as he did he didn't see the blind man as this man that like oh man it's just a like unfortunate circumstance sorry about you man no he saw it and he goes okay like no this is an opportunity for God to shine uh, and, and God to show us. Um, so Jesus shows me two things personally here. One, that Jesus sees opportunity for God to work through any situation. There's not any situation in our lives that, that God's not present. God's present through the hills, through the valleys, um, 
there's a poem I don't I can't remember who it's by, but it's called Footsteps, uh, and it's talking about being on the beach and walking with Jesus, and uh, you know talking talking to him, and then you look back, and uh, basically you see one set of footprints. You go, man, well, why did you leave me there? Like that was a hard time. Why did you leave me? Why is it gone? And I know personally I've questioned that. I've been like, man, where is where is God in this time? Like what is hap- Like what's going on right now? And what what Jesus tells the tells the guy in the poem is I I didn't leave you, the footsteps that are gone are yours because I'm carrying you through these situations. Um, so where where we see bad, where we see you know unfortunate, where we see hard circumstances, Jesus sees opportunities for God to work. Jesus carries us through those opportunities or through those those seasons, and. Um, I know in my own experience, those, those times that were hard are the times that I've grown the most. You don't see it then, which um, discourages a lot of people. It discouraged me. You don't see it right then, but when you look back, uh, you know I, I can look back and say, man, I had to go through that to be where I am. Um, you know, Yeah, I wish it wouldn't have happened, but guess what? I'm a stronger person because it did happen. Um, so, also, Jesus never says, but shows, in my opinion, uh, that God does not punish in the ways that we think he does. Um, I think a lot of times we think that God punishes our sin immediately. Like, oh, I did this, you know, I, I did this bad thing and I... I uh, you know, had a bill that showed up unexpectedly. Well, that's just, you know, God's up there going, oh yeah, watch this. And, you know, and, and that's not how God works. Um, and I've heard this countless times in sermons uh, at at the way from Pastor Kyle and, and just at, at many, many other sermons, just, man, God does not work that way. Uh, I believe it was a couple of months ago, Pastor Kyle was, was talking about a sermon on um, teaching your kids. And he goes, hey, whenever your kids go, do, go through something hard, do you ever tell them, oh, well, sorry about you? No, you comfort them, and you walk them through that, and you show them different things. Like God does the same thing to us. We get ourselves into bad situations, um, and I think that's something we have to remember. And, and we were talking about, um, I believe it was uh, Tuesday when we, when we had, a, had our lunch meeting, um, we have to realize that we get our our sin that we commit willingly gets us in bad situations. I know we talked about um, man if I if I sin and commit the sin of adultery against my wife Abby, um, and you know not not if but when they find out like that's all that's how it always happens. I shouldn't be surprised when she's upset and she leaves, but that's not God. God didn't say, oh, because of this, this. No, that was me. My sin caused that. My choice to do that caused that. And um, it, it caused me, you know, it caused those, those problems. Now, God can work through that. God can work through anything. And that's why, that's why I personally believe that, like, that's not how God punishes God, God doesn't punish us because of that. God works through those opportunities. Yes, there's a, you know, there's stuff that we do that is dumb, and you know, what a, I I think I've heard it put: if you play stupid games, you win stupid prizes. Like, that's just that's how it goes. Like, I shouldn't be surprised when I slam my finger in a door that it hurts. Like, there's going to be a reaction for that, but I can't slam my finger in a door, say it hurts. And then blame somebody else who had nothing to do with it. Like that's just not how it works. And the, and through through this, um, you know, through just just the first part of that passage, man, that speaks to me a lot. Just Jesus, Jesus's reaction. You know, obviously Jesus is here on behalf of God. Jesus is God, and He's showing us the mind and the heart of God. And what what He's showing me is, yes, there's there's unfortunate circumstances that happen, um, but man, God's gonna work through us. God's gonna move us forward. God's gonna, God's gonna do this. And in this deal, man, I I can't imagine being this guy who's blind for his entire life, and Jesus shows up and tells the disciples, he's like, no, it's nobody's fault. But watch this. Like God's gonna work through this. Um. So, 
Man, the the biggest thing in those last those couple of verses was that you know Jesus, where we see unfortunate circumstances, Jesus sees an opportunity for God to work. Um, and that man, that's a mindset that I've I've had to work myself into and change. But it's it's changed the way that I operate a lot of things. Um, and this man, this story just just reaffirms that reaffirms the fact that that Jesus is always looking for opportunities to move us forward. God is always looking for opportunities to make us a better version of ourselves we just have to have to choose that which we'll see in just a little bit um we'll move on to to verses four and five it says uh this is still jesus talking in verse four it says we must work the works of him who sent me while while it is day night is coming when no one can work as long as i am in the world i am the light of the world and this these two verses um show me that man there's going to be a, like we we as christians have to work now um i have an opportunity whether it's whether it's here with you guys you know on, on facebook live talking about christ whether it's at my at my home church leading the kids and stuff or whether it's at, at work or at home because i am in a relationship with jesus i have the light that jesus had and so it's my responsibility to go out into the dark and and show that but the the thing that hit me the most is Jesus says that there's going to be a time says that there's going to be a time where where no one works where no one will see things um I, I I put down there's there's a point in time where even though we speak through love of Jesus no one will see um man that hit hard just to think that like there's 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 going to be a point in time, you know, just like here with the with the Pharisees, which again we'll see later, where like man Jesus is there, the Son of God is there, and He's doing these great things and showing them the love of God, and all they can do is question, all they do is 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 say no, nah, man, that it's not a man of God, and man not not to be one of those guys like on the on the corner yelling it's the end times, but man. When I look at the world and and what's going on, it, it's hard to it's hard to not think that, man. There's a point in time where I'm going to be able to like yell this in front of a thirty thousand seat stadium and everyone's going to be like, "Man, you're crazy," which is fine. I'll be crazy if I if I love Jesus, but man, there there's a short time that we have to be able to do things um, for Jesus, and there's a short time for us to see those opportunities that Jesus saw. And say, hey, you know, th- this opportunity is meant for God to work, and this is why. Um, so, uh, we're, I'll move on to the last two two verses of of my section of this, uh, verses six and seven. It says, having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with saliva. The anointed, uh, then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud, and said to him, go wash in the pool of. I have no idea how to pronounce it, but we're going to try. Salome, uh, it says, which means sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. So, I man, God has told, Jesus has told us all these amazing things, showed us all these amazing things, um, and is, is teaching the disciples in this moment, just telling them what, what is going on? Like, hey, man, the, the mind of God is not unfortunate circumstances. The mind of God is not punishment. The heart of God is not, not putting you in a bad situation. The heart and mind of God is to love you. The heart and mind of God is to see you whole and to see you better. Um, and then, the, you know, this last part, Jesus, Jesus proceeds to show us that for God to work, we have to listen and follow instructions. Um, man, there's never a time that that i'm aware of in the bible that somebody isn't asked to do something to receive something you know from god uh whether you know salvation we're asked to have faith and believe and love jesus we have to you know we have to proceed and and jesus is like working working this point out um that the man that we can we can have these things we can have these uh, this this healing and, and and the power from God, but we have to do something. And what's cool is you see the you and I'm gonna sorry Brad, I'm gonna kind of go into yours just a little. Um, but we see this uh, play out 
where the man, like, I think it's cool because the man doesn't hesitate. Like, he doesn't ask questions like like I do all the time. I'm like, man, God, why do you want me to do this? Why why do you want me to to prepare a devotion and talk in front of, you know, in front of people? Why do you want me to teach the youth? Like, I'm like, I need this kind of, kind of like Gideon where he puts things out and he's like, hey, God, what about this? This man's like, no, he said it, I'm going to go do it. And, you know, we see later on what happens. But, um, man, those are just the things that, that, that really stuck out to me in the first is that, number one, even though there's an, there's an unfortunate circumstance, God will work through that. God will, will move through that. Um, you know, Jesus is, is showing us that God is a real God of love. God is a real God of power. God is a real God of healing. Um, and that, and then Jesus shows us, um, and that, that there's actions that are required for it. And when we, when we choose to do those actions, there's a, there's a great reward for that. Um, so that's my little bit on verses one through seven. I think Brad's going to come up and, and get the, get the next spot so we can get this right. So let's go. That is really close to the mic. Let me back it up. Okay, yeah. Are you good? (laughs) All right. So uh, I'm going to take verses 8 through 23, and no, I'm not going to break it down each verse. That would take forever. Uh, But what I what I do want to point out is that there is there are three different kinds of unbelief here. Robin, why is this thing falling on me? The mic is like falling. Okay, how's that? Okay, all right. So starting in verse eight, it says. Uh, the neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, Is this not the man that that used to sit and beg? Some said it is he. Others said, No, but he is like him. He kept saying, I am the man. So they said to him, Then how were your, your eyes open? He answered, The man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, Go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and received my sight. They said to him, where is he? He said, I do not know. They brought to, they brought, they brought, yeah, here we go. They brought to the Pharisees, the man who had, had formerly been blind. Now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened the the man's eyes. So the Pharisees asked again how he had received his sight. And he said to them, he put mud in my eyes. I washed and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, How can a man who is a sinner do such things? And was a, uh, and there was a division among them. So they said again to the blind man, What do you say about this man, since he opened your eyes? He said, He is a prophet. The Jews did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight. And asked them, Is this your son, who you say was born blind? How, how then does he see? His parents answered, We know this is our son, and that he was born blind. But how, how he now sees, we do not know, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him, he is of age, he will speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be the Christ, he was to put, be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents said, he is of age. Ask him. <sighs> so, Jesus likes to stir the pot just by showing up. Um, I'm blind, so I'm not going to use the podium. <laughs> um, let's see. So we see three different, three different kinds of, of unbelief in this passage. Uh, the first one comes in, in verse 8. Uh, verse eight, we see the people who uh, have always been around this man. He, they grew up, or he's grown up around them. They know him. Uh, if you think about it, those that are there in Woodward, there's just a few people that you just know by sight, for good, for bad, whatever. We know who they are. 
all of Woodward knows who, who they are. And this guy kind of gives me that impression. Everybody knows who he is. So, uh, so they start arguing when they see him walking around. It, some of them say, is, is this not the man that was blind and begging? Meaning, this, this is him. Like, what a, what a miracle. This is awesome. And others just couldn't wrap their mind around it because this miracle had never been done before. So they, they kind of, they excuse it. They think, no, 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 something else had to have happened. This, this isn't him. This, this is someone like him. He looks like him. He talks like him. He, he, you know, it's, but it's not him. And so since they couldn't come up with a, a, an agreement here, they ship him off to the Pharisees. Hey, go, go to the Pharisees. Go, go see what they think. So he gets to the Pharisees, the uh, religious leaders, and, uh, and, and again, there's a split. I'm going to do these out of order. There's a split. There's those who say, um, oh, how is it? Uh, there, there, there's those, yeah, there, there's a, div a division among them, but it says, uh, um, I really should follow my notes better. Uh, anyway, there's those that are saying that it, it, it had to be him or he, he has to be sent from God because a sinful man can't do this kind of miracle. And uh, uh, before that in, in the scripture is actually those that, that say he's not from God because he worked on the Sabbath. So this man who was once blind can now see but he worked on the Sabbath, but Jesus worked on the Sabbath. They, that, that's like building a two-story house in a single day and looking at the, the, the insignificant paint scratch on the back of the house that's going to be covered up by a bush. They're missing the big picture. The, the big picture is, look at the miracle that was done. And that's not the only time that it's been done. Jesus has done other things throughout his ministry that they've seen that, that's come, come across their path, and they continue to choose to go the other direction, to, to, to look past the good that he's doing and acknowledge that he's doing it in not the right way. Well, what they mean is that he's not abiding by their, by their legalistic Jewish laws. So in their eyes, they're, they're, uh, he's sinning. Now, the, the one who, who sticks up and says that a sinful man can't do these kinds of works, it, without, back, without backing, without uh, any documentation that is believed, that it could have been Nicodemus, because Nicodemus was already testing the, the pool of uh, belief at that point. So whether it was him or not is, is irrelevant. Um, somebody made the statement, and they had more than air between the, ear, the ears. Um, so after the Pharisees grill the man and don't like the answer, they call for his mom and dad. I can't help but to think like a little kid there. I didn't like what you said, so I'm calling your mom and dad. All right, call them. So, so they come in, and, and the Pharisees grill them. Is this your son, whom you say was blind? If he was blind, why can he see now, and who did it? Well, in verse 20, they answer easily. They, they answer, yes, this is our son. We're, we're, we're sure of that. Of that. Um, yes, he was born blind. Believe me, we're, we were there. We know. Um, but in verse 21, things kind of change a little bit. They know the truth. They've heard his testimony. They know that. Um, they know that it was Jesus that healed his his sight, but they also know the threat. They know that the Jews have said, if you give credit to Jesus, if you if you put him in the limelight, then you're going to be kicked out of the synagogue. What does that mean for that time period? They're going to lose a lot of their family, their friends, um, their social status, their place of worship. They're, they're going to be ostracized. So there's an internal battle going on inside of his parents. Do we do the right thing and say that it was Jesus? Or do we keep quiet and, and remain where we are? Well, if we, if we keep quiet and remain where we are, the, Jew, the Pharisees want an answer. So do we put our son in that position of being kicked out of the synagogue? I mean, there's all kinds of things going through their brain. There's got to be. From a parental perspective, I don't want to put my kids through, through any kind of torment. But that's exactly what they were doing, was putting their son in a bad place. Uh, and I believe 
that their uh, their judgment or their uh, their actions were deeply rooted in unbelief. All right, so the three different types of belief, um, the, it's just three of them. There's several types. There's several displays of it. Uh, so the first one we saw was the town folks that wanted to explain away the truth. That kind of sounds familiar to today, don't doesn't it? Our scientists today kind of kind of teach that we can't miracles don't just happen. The world didn't come into existence by an authoritative figure. We just have to trust that something else happened. They want to explain away truth. The Pharisees rejected or uh, re redirected focus uh, from something awesome to something that didn't fit their mold to say that it wasn't really a lie. Um, what was the example on this one? Um, oh, think about how many times you've heard it said, if your God is real, then why do, why do uh, rich people get richer and poor people get poorer? Why do bad things happen to good people? Well, they, they want to take the focus or the, the, the authority away from God and, and completely ignore that we're sinners and we, we put ourselves in our position. Um, so, so that's, there's this blemish of, of our, our sickness or our condition and a perfect God wouldn't allow that. So therefore that, that God doesn't exist. Um, and then there's the parents who has that internal self-preservation argument. Do we do what's right and cost ourselves or do we do what's wrong and save ourselves? Man, we fight those all the time. We, we, they come into play in our own lives. We see it out in the world. The state of our nation right now is, is complete disarray. And that's because we're, we're fighting these. People want to reject the existence of God and, and his authority. They want, to, they want to focus on the little things for the here and now. And it's, it's messed up. So I, I beg you to not ignore truth. Don't shy away for, from it. Be bold and open your eyes. Next. Thank you, Fred. Tag team. <laughs> All right. All right, great, great job, guys. So far, this is uh, pretty awesome. Um, I want to kind of recap just a, a little bit about what I'm seeing here and uh, what some of the guys have said uh, so far. Um, now I agree with Gary. I mean, uh, we need we come to Christ through grace, through faith, right? Um, but it always we're not saved by faithfulness, but that faithfulness always follows, right? Faithfulness follows the free gift of God. And, and Brad, uh, in your passage, I was thinking also as you was reading that uh, this this guy that. That, that Jesus healed. After he was healed, the neighbors is, uh, you know, they didn't, they weren't sure it was the same guy. Some of them wondered. And I think that's pointing to what Daniel, Pastor Daniel is going to talk about here in a little bit, how that after we become a Christian, it's almost like, well, we are a new creation. It's, you know, you might meet someone who has become a Christian. You say, I'm not sure if this is the same guy or not, right? So we see these these uh, these pointers to what's what's going to happen. So yeah, it's it, really good. I I what what else I'm seeing is um, this is kind of a timeline of how a person makes up their mind about whether they're going to follow Jesus. First, God gets people's attention in life, and He does that every day. In, in this broken world. Sometimes it's through healing, right, uh, of an individual. And uh, sometimes it's through disaster. Maybe it's sickness. But God gets people's attention. We saw it 9-11. We saw it worldwide, right, with coronavirus. My friend Awais is in Pakistan watching me even right now. And they felt it over there, uh, the brokenness of coronavirus. And God is saying, I'm getting people's attention, all over the world. And so all these people in 
today's story, this true story out of the, the life of Jesus. What do we have? The, we have the parents, right? Mother and father. We have the townsfolks, the neighbors. They saw this. We have the Pharisees. And we have the man who was healed. Jesus got all of their attention. And now they're trying to decide what they think of Jesus. So the ball's in their court. And and that's the way it is. Uh, This timeline uh, in, in a person's salvation, God gets people's attention and then they have to decide what they're going to do with Jesus. So that's kind of what I'm I'm seeing so far. And I've got ten verses here. I'm going to kind of start off by just reading a couple and pondering it and go to the next. Um, Beginning in verse 24, it says, So for the second time they, that's the Pharisees, called the man who had been blind and said to him, Give glory to God. So, so far, so good, right? We like that. But then the next words he, he said was, the, the, the Pharisees said, we know that this man is a sinner. Wrong. Jesus never sinned. That's the only way we can have righteousness in our life applied because he gives us our righteousness and he takes the wages of our sin when he died on the cross. That's the only way. So Jesus was not a sinner. Verse 25 this is the blind man that was healed speaking. He answered, Whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. So, at this point, the man does not know Jesus. But I think he's given us a good example. If you're a Christian today, or if you're lost, a true, honest testimony is something God wants. If you don't know Christ... um he wants you to say, I don't know you. I, I want to know you. You know, I, just show me your glory. You know, be honest with you. Don't, don't be, that's totally opposite of the Pharisees, right? They were saying they knew God and they had all the answers. They wanted to be the teachers. And I think that's why, uh, the word Pharisee, yeah, has become synonymous with a fake. We, we say it today. You, that guy's just being a Pharisee. He's acting better than he really is, right? But that's not who the blind man that Jesus healed was. He was being honest. He said he does not know Jesus. He doesn't know who he was. He doesn't even know if he's a sinner. But he knows that he was blind, and now he sees. And God wants honesty, uh, no matter where you are in your life. And he, he does have some thoughts about Jesus, so... Um, he's, he already believes that the man who healed him is a prophet from God. And he, he said that earlier. And he said that God listens to him, right? So he's leaning towards Jesus. Uh, but, um, and today someone might say, I think God blessed me or brought this sickness on me or allowed this. But honestly, I don't really know. That's honest testimony. Maybe God has plans for me. I don't know Jesus. Or I don't even know if He's real. Maybe that's you. But this thing I know, this thing has happened to me. And it's like God has got my attention. And now my attention is turning toward Him. And I'm desperately seeking answers. I'm desperately seeking truth in my life. And I think this is the man that Jesus healed. This is who he was. He's a little bit like Nicodemus. Remember, Nicodemus came to Jesus by night and he said, we know you are a, a, a man from God. I mean, he, he saw the miracle, miracles, so God got his attention. In fact, he got the whole city of Jerusalem's attention. He, Jesus did all these miracles and the way he spoke with authority, right? The whole city was talking about him. And so they all had to make their mind up about who Jesus was. They had to make a decision about what they thought about Jesus. And uh, I think it was Nicodemus said this, Rabbi, in John 3, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. But that's a lot of the people in the world. I mean, Islam, the second largest religion of the world, believes Jesus was a prophet. Right? Just like the, the blind man. Um, many Hindus believe Jesus to be a holy man, even one among millions of gods. Right? Okay? Um, Buddhists 
say that Jesus was enlightened and he was a wise teacher. The New Age movement, Jesus is a wise moral teacher. But what does Jesus answer Nicodemus? And I'm getting off topic, not off topic, but out of the text. But how does Nick, Jesus answer him? The very next words out of Jesus' mouth were, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And that's the same for the man who Jesus healed. He was he could see physically, but he could not yet see spiritually, even though he thought a lot of Jesus. He stood up for Jesus. Let's continue on here. Um, verse 26, and actually the Pharisees, they were kind of earlier in your sex and bread, but now... They have, they're going to begin treating Jesus as a hostile witness, you might say. Uh, verse 26, they said to him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered, he answered them, I have told you already and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? And I just love the, uh, sarcasm in the Bible when you see it and it's there. Uh, you can find it in a lot of places. I think I'm thinking of, uh, Elisha. He, he is some sarcasm, really crazy stuff. And even, uh, Paul does. And I think Jesus does on occasion. And God in the Old Testament does some. But it's really cool. Um, I think this, this blind man probably had some older brothers and sisters, right? Where he, he learned to practice his sarcasm. Continuing. Verse 28. And they reviled him saying, you are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. The man answered, why, this is an amazing thing. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opens my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, You were born in utter sin. And would you teach us? And they cast him out. <laughs> so, you know, this man who was probably never ever allowed to come into the temple because he had an infirmity, According to the law of Moses, he wasn't allowed to. And, you know, the first time the Pharisees came to them and they saw he was healed, so he was probably, possibly cleared to go into the temple. That might have been why they brought him to see the Pharisees, in fact, uh, early. So, but now, all of a sudden, they cast him out again. He probably never made it, so. <laughs> but, yeah, they said that he was born in sin and they were right. We're all born out of fellowship with God. And that was the same for the Pharisees. They were too, right? So they, everybody needs Jesus in the world. All the people in this story need Jesus. So, uh, you may have noticed that the Pharisees, they seem to be getting blinder and blinder, uh, by the minute as they keep walking this path, making their decision up about who Jesus is. Um, and the healed man, even though there's much pressure on him from them, um, he keeps standing up for truth more and more for Jesus, right? And uh, I mean, but I mean, he had likely heard the stories of Jesus, and uh, as he was blind, sitting there, and he wondered, "Is this the long-awaited Messiah?" He did not know, and he didn't know if this was the one, the only hope for mankind and, and their sin. So, just to close this part of, of, of my part out here. I think uh, what I said before, you know, God gets our attention in, in many different ways. Blessing and hardships both, right? And, uh, and so God wants our attention. And He wants us to, to believe Him over the promises of the world. Trust Him uh, as our only hope. Rejoice in Him. Delight in Him. Rest in Him. So, um, Daniel, Pastor Daniel... All right, well, I'm going to pick up where Robin left off at the end of John chapter 9. 
And we've covered a whole lot of ground together, really. This is a, a really big story and a really cool story. And so I just want to uh, rewind and go back to the very beginning real quick because the first three verses are very important to the whole of the story, all right? And so uh, it started off, and it says this. As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, it was not this man's sin or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. All right, and so the, the key things there, uh, the disciples kind of insensitively ask, like, what's this dude's problem? Why is, he, why is he so messed up? Why is he having to suffer like this? They assume it's sin, uh, which ironically, that's what the Pharisees do too, right? And so um, they, they assume it's sin, and then Jesus says, no, he was born blind for today. That's initially what he's saying, right? He was born blind because I, God is going to do something insanely miraculous in him to get everybody's attention. And really, his blindness, his whole life, is about God being glorified today and doing something extraordinary, right? And so as, as we uh, go through the story, as, we, as we, the passage unfolds, we see that happening again and again. God's glory is, is uh, at, at the very center of this story. So starts off with a, a physical healing that Gary covered, all right? So uh, with, with spit and dust and mud and eyes, this guy who, uh, who knows how old he is, 30, 40, 40 years old, okay? He, he goes, he washes, and a miracle happens, right? Um, and that, that, that alone is a glorious thing. It's, it's a life-changing thing. And um, Im immediately, uh, everybody can see that this is a different man, right? And that's what Brad began to cover. So uh, not only his physical healing, but his personal testimony that even in him just walking around, people are looking and saying, that something's happened to that man, right? And, and then he, uh, it, I think it three or four times, he shares the story, right? To everyone who will listen, in the name of Jesus is on his lips every time. Uh, this is what Jesus has done for me. Jesus has done. He's uh, Robin covered that. He's giving giving Christ all the glory. All right, and so all these things are the the glorious work of God's hand. But I would argue that the most glorious event in this passage happens at the very end uh, here at verse thirty five. All right, so um, that where Robin left off. That's where we pick up. This man is he's kind of in the same position he started. He's alone again outside the temple, right? So he starts, this full circle thing happens, he gets booted back out, and, and we find Jesus seeking him out again. So he's been forced out by the so-called religious leaders, and really this, this is what they're saying, uh, you're unworthy to be in the presence of God. And, and how beautiful it is then that the presence of God comes to him in the person of Jesus outside the temple. So starting in verse uh, 35 and 36, Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and having found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? And he answered, And who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? All right, and so um, that, that's where uh, my passage starts off, and I think that it's just incredibly that, that beautiful that Jesus, for a second time, intentionally seeks this man out. And this time, he's going to do him a greater favor than the first, which is pretty insane, right? Um, to go from a blind beggar who can do nothing by theirself to having your whole world flip upside down so you can see and you can be a part of society and you can enter the temple and you like this life-changing thing. And then to say that Jesus seeks him out to do something far better. Um, that, that's what we see here. So Jesus, he comes to him and he is going to ad address this man's greatest problem. Um, and it's really another condition of blindness. And it's the condition of blindness that he shares with all of broken humanity. And Robin touched on this just briefly. It's our spiritual blindness, right? And so the, the truth is every man, woman, and child is born blind. All right, we, we come into this world um, and, and really we are just surrounded by, by the darkness and misery of our sin, right? And so um, you got to imagine uh, stumbling around, uh, groping for things. You don't know what is what, like uh, if, if, the, if the place is dark enough, you can't tell what's up from down or left from right. Like you're just, and, and that's how we are in our sin. Um, we don't know good from bad or right from wrong. 
um, or, or just from unjust. We're just, we're, we're doing the best we can to make sense of a world that we can't even see. And so, just like the man in this story, we need the light of the world to break into our darkness so that we can see what, what is real and true. And, and what I, what I love about, uh, the beginning of Gary's passage is, is just like, you, you gotta imagine this guy's blind. He, like, he can't see anything. He just hears people talking about him. Like in, not that that's not happened before. I'm sure it happens all the time. But they're, they're talking about him. And he, and he hears, first of all, he hears Jesus say, it's, it's not his sin. Which like, like what does that do? It's like, cause he's probably asked the question before anybody. Like, why am I the way I am? And then he hears this for God's glory. And then he hears Jesus say, I'm the light of the world. And you, you have to know that means something different to him than it does the rest of us. Because he's never seen light. And he's like, I desperately need light. Right? And so he, he's here, he hears who Jesus is. And, and like, why else would, when somebody, like he hears spit, <laughs> he, he feels it rubbed on his eyes. Like, I, I feel like it's gotta be this hope that drives him, like, is my life really about God's glory? You know, like, is this the light of the world? You know, and so he rushes, he's healed, and so everything begins to change. And, and so that which happened for him physically is about to happen for him spiritually. Um, so it's getting ready to take place in this man. And so all that that had been happening over the course of this day, all the testimonies and opportunities to brag on Jesus um, had began to build up faith in this man's heart. Right? Um, and, and, and Robin, you did a great job. It's like this escalating thing. He's like, this is all I know. He healed me. And then, then he tells the story again. And he's like, he's at least a prophet. You know, like, it's just like, he, it's like he's getting more convinced, convinced the more he talks about Jesus. And then, and then he says, he's like, well, he's, he's not like you and me because like God listened to him and, and like he heard his prayer. And then, and he says, like, I want to go find him and follow him. Like, it's like this escalating, it's like faith just welling up inside of this guy. And then when Jesus meets him, he says, do you believe in the Son of Man? And he's like, just show him to me, and I, that's where I will direct my faith. I've got it here, it's stored up, and I, like, I am so ready to trust in Christ. And, and then Jesus, uh, starting, in, in, uh, he says, so who is the Son of Man? And then in verse 37... Uh, Jesus says these beautiful words. He says, you have seen him and it is he who's speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe and he worshiped him. So it's with, with these physical eyes J Jesus just gave him. He like gets to set eyes on his savior. And, and, um, I love, I love the dude's, uh, response. Authentic, true worship. Um, so now not only does he have physical eyes to see, he has spiritual eyes to see. And his initial response is, I'm going to fall down and praise the guy. And um, I, I have never seen anyone do that. You know, like, to, and, and the Pharisees who are standing right, be, right by them at this time are watching this, but you, you have to imagine they're enraged. Like, they hate Jesus already. Here's this guy, this miracle's happened. All the evidence is pointing to this is real and true. And, and he just falls down and begins to worship Jesus. That's blasphemous to them. Um, they, they, that's a, abhorrent to them. They hate it. Um, but that is the beautiful and right response. If God has given you eyes to see who Jesus is, real authentic worship is, is the right response. And might I add, the highest form of glorifying God, which is what the day was all about, right? God said, your life's about my glory. And not only did he get it through the healing and his testimony being uh, told, but now he, he, he gathered another worshiper of God. And this man is, is praising and glorifying God. And so um, now, now he's got eyes to see and, and a heart to worship. And man, I, I, would, I would pray that even over us. Like, God, give us more eyes to see who Jesus is more clearly so we can rightfully respond in, in worship. And so all, all of this day, the, these, this works of being God is, is being displayed, it's being glorified. And, and I love how you summed it up, Robin. It's like, the alarms are going off, right? Like, it's like this big lightning bolt across the sky. It's like, you have to deal with what just happened, right? Like, you have to respond to that. So I, I love how you said that uh, God is getting everyone's attention and he's using this man to do it. And so now it's time to respond. And it, for the man, 
it got his attention and it ended up in, in faith and repentance and salvation. And so now at the very tail end of this passage, Jesus turns his attention to these other guys who have witnessed all this and, and more, sadly, and more in, in how they will respond. So starting in verse 39, Jesus said, um, he's, the Pharisees are right there, for judgment I came into the world that those who do not see may see and that those who see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, Are we also blind? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say we see, your guilt remains. All right. And so two main main points here at the end. Jesus says, Hey, I, I came so that blind people may see. Um, he's talking spiritual, spiritual blindness, right? I, I came because you guys were in such complete and utter darkness and you didn't know right from wrong, good from bad. I wanted to light up your world so that you could see what's good and right. And, and he says, but to these Pharisees, there's, you guys are in a worse position than he was at the beginning because at least he knew he was blind and he knew he needed light. And he said, but you guys think you can see and, and you don't get how blind you really are in your sin. Um, and and you're, you're not even open to the possibility of needing light or life. And so um, that, that's, that's the point that he's making uh, to, to these Pharisees. Uh, man, they, they had seen so much and not seen it at all. And, and um, that, that's, that's sadly a tragic thing that we see um, again and again with the Pharisees. So, um, they, man, just think about how many miracles they're present at that he specifically does on the Sabbath with them as a specific uh, audience, um, how many truths he shares with them and gets real specific, more specific than anyone else with the Pharisees. And it's, it's just like no answer will work for them that results in Jesus as the Messiah. They like, they rule it out and, and they really, what Jesus told me is you are shutting your eyes to the only truth, um, that, that I am the Messiah, the light of the world. And so, um, we, we see that all throughout, out the Bible. It's the willing, ignorance, blind on purpose to the things right in front of them. And uh, their, their problem is even worse than that. In, in chapter 10, he continues to talk to him, and he, and he says, not only are you blind, but you're deaf. And, and you, like, you, you've, you've closed your ears off to my truth too. And, and so I, my kids, praise the Lord, they haven't done this in a long time, but they used to do this. Like when I was speaking truth to them and they didn't want to hear it, they would close their eyes and they would cover their ears like this. And if they really didn't want to hear it, if they really didn't want to hear it, they'd go, ah, okay. And sadly, sadly, that's the Pharisees. Like, so here they are. It's like, Jesus is the light of the world. He's doing miracles. And they, they close their eyes. And then Jesus comes and he's like, he's, he's like, more aggressively than anyone else, he's like giving them truth. And then they do that too. And then on top of that, they're talking and screaming their truth. It's like, how are they ever going to hear? Um, they, they've shut themselves off to this. And so, um, sadly, I, I think that is, that is a way lots of people, um, live, right? That, and we, we all kind of come into the world with that, our eyes shut, our ears closed to the things of God. And, and that's precisely why we need a, a miracle. We need God to open the eyes of our hearts and to open our ears. Um, open our eyes so, so like the blind man, we can see who Jesus truly is and then open our ears so we can, um, hear the good news of the gospel and respond rightly um, and, and to get that, that we're born into death and darkness, uh, but, but Jesus says he's light and life, and that's exactly who we need. And so um, as we kind of wrap up, I, I, I want to say this. Um, the good news of this whole sermon is the best miracle that Jesus did here, he does every single day, tens of thousands of times over. Like, um, man, I've been, I've been blessed to see it. I've got, uh, three or four guys that, that I've, I'm meeting with and are kind of involved in my life. And I'm like, I'm seeing them. I, I love how you said that, Robin. It's like this progression of, you gotta deal with Jesus. And so some of them, that's where they're at. They're like, oh man, you know, like, I gotta deal with Jesus. Like, I got a neighbor who's there. And, and that's, and he's, I, I love, he's honest. Like, the, yeah. that's what he, cause I asked him where he was at the other day and he was like, Man, I, I don't, here's what I'm sure of. Here's what I'm, 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 
like I'm getting there. That's kind of what I'm, I'm working through some things. And so like, that's beautiful. And then I've got another, another friend who like, he made a profession of faith and he came and shared his testimony with my family. And then I got another guy who's meeting a discipleship with him. It's just, it's just cool to see this process of, of this still happening 2000 years of later because Jesus still pursues people who are blind. And, and my, my word to anyone who's lost out there is, man, he, he'd gladly open your eyes. Like if you would acknowledge, man, I'm blind, I'm in darkness, I don't want to live this way, uh, Jesus will be so glad to come to you right where you're at. And so, uh, man, I, I love you guys. Thank you for, for doing this. you want to come close out in prayer, Robo? All right, thanks, guys. Yeah, that's awesome, everybody. Yeah, it's a great story. I am glad that... Did John put it in John chapter 9? Um, I was thinking, you know, this story about the blind man, it made me think, I wonder if that's where John Newton, the old slave trader, uh, got the song Amazing Grace from. He said, I once was blind, but now I see. Maybe he identified with this blind man. And I, I, also another thing I was thinking, and then I'll, I'll close in prayer, was, uh, you know, you might think Jesus was a good man, right? And uh, you might even think he was a prophet. Like I said, there's so many religions that, that think that. But we saw something here that Jesus, in this story, he allowed this man to worship him. Prophets, A good prophet doesn't do that. <laughs> so you you got to quit calling him a good man or a prophet if if this is true. Because angels don't allow people to worship them. Only God does. So, let's pray. Father God, You're awesome, Lord. Thank You for Your Word. Thank You for the great joy You give us who know You, Lord. And, and just, I know so much of the world is blind. Help us, Lord. Work through us. Uh, please help us to see more of Your glory so that we might share Your greatness with others. In Jesus' name, Amen. Thank you, guys.